This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends and well-wishers, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, the last time we spoke, things were looking maybe a little bit up for the Blackhawks. We were starting to see some better efforts, even though the results maybe weren't there. And then... Last night happened with a 4-1 to loss to the Philadelphia Flyers, a completely listless effort that elicited some big, strong words from Jeremy Collard, and we're going to get to all of that. But first things first, my friend, I just want to hear what you thought about the game last night. Well, it's one of the worst efforts I've seen in a really, really long time from the Blackhawks. And you mentioned Jeremy Cowden called out the team's effort. He didn't call anyone out by name anyone specifically, but I've got a couple candidates that can definitely be mentioned if we're talking about people we want to blame for the lack of effort, and it's the guys making a ton of money. It's the guys Mm. you're paying a lot of money to and relying on to carry the team when you don't have as much talent as you had back in the day. On yesterday's Lockdown Podcast, I talked about, I used the word passengers a lot, and there were a lot of passengers for the Blackhawks against the Flyers. That game was awful, and what's What's extra frustrating about it is all of a sudden they come out in the third period and suddenly they know how to play hockey. Suddenly they know how to skate hard. Suddenly they know how to put pucks on the net. So what that tells me is that for the first 40 minutes and especially the especially the middle 20, they weren't really interested in mm. playing hockey. And that's how it looked and that's how it felt. And to end a seven-game homestand with six points is really, really bad. Correct me if I'm wrong. They had multiple power plays in the second period, right? Two power plays in the second period, and they got all of one shot on goal the entire period. Not just on one the power sh- plays. One shot on goal. Not just None on the power play, by the way. That one shot on goal was at even strength. Yes. 
And they, their, you know what their Corsi was for that period? You want to take a stab at it? Or I know you it already was. Know? It was 33%. Ooh, that's bad. That real bad. And if you look at the Corsi for the entire game, the Blackhawks ended up out-possessing the Flyers. Like, they ended up beating them in Corsi last night. It was all because of that third period, though, because the first two periods, and especially the second, they were absolute junk. Do we want to start uh, – calling out individual players i'll let you have the first one if you want well yes but sure before we the corsi thing is misleading because not only uh yes they had the corsi advantage in the first and the third but they missed the net 31 times missed or blocked shots (laughs) 31 yeah the, the fenwick was crazy that i noted that disparity in Fenwick where Jonathan Taves looked halfway decent in Corsi, but if you did Fenwick, he looked like a completely different player. It was unreal last night, the disparity between the two. Well, look, when you get the, when you get chances to score, when they happen as rarely as they do for the Blackhawks, to completely miss the net, is that really an option? Shooting it a foot wide, trying for the God-blessed tip pass that they've been trying for for the last 10 years. Guess what? Now they don't have the talent to overcome those fancy attempts that they don't convert on. It's got they gotta keep it simple. And Jeremy Cowden has been using that word from day one this season. Play a simple game. Get the puck in, chase it down, win the battle, get the puck on net, and guess which line is doing that? The third line, and that's why they have been the most effective, and that's why they've been the most noticeable, and that's why they're the single line on this team right now that's having success. Because they're playing a simple game. I am going to ask you about that. Do we, you know what, instead of uh, starting out with uh, calling out some of the individual efforts we didn't like, I did want to point out in that third period when he had started to kind of pull the old uh, Joel Quenville Memorial line blender, there was one line I really liked and it did involve breaking up that third line. That combination of Brandon Saad, Kirby Doc, and Andrew Shaw, I liked what they did. They looked like a really competent line. I don't know if that's one that you can roll with consistently but when you combine how good Brandon Saad has been these last few games, especially with the skill that Kirby Doc has been showing, the strength on the puck that he's shown, and then Andrew Shaw's kind of a seeming ability to kind of be everywhere on the ice, throwing hits and creating chances, that line is kind of chaotic, and I kind of love it. I thought that it worked really well and really knocked the Flyers back on their heels in a big way in that period. I agree. I really like that line. And, yes, the third line is playing very well, but I'm not married to it. If it's going to take Brandon Saad – going up to help Jonathan Taves or going to help Kirby Doc, whatever, they've got to find an answer because what they've been using the last few games, and look, the game, the effort against Vegas was solid. The effort against the Capitals was solid. So I'm not, I don't want to, but again, when you miss out on these points that you should have had, these like, oh, you know, moral victories, they're all fine and good. But then when you have the next game, you can't come out flat, and that's what they did. But mm. look, if it's going to take Brandon Saad to get Taves going or to or to to have a Doc be part of a more effective line, I'm for it. I'm not I'm not married to anything at this point. I'm I'm up for trying anything, and maybe it's time. And look, the the, the two players I thought last night that looked the best for the Blackhawks were Doc and Nylander. Agreed, hundred percent. I think that you, I, I would say Brandon Saad also looked really good. Yes. So I would say he right. probably forces his way into that conversation, but. There's so much about that game last night I didn't like. I think the effort of the two guys you mentioned and Brandon Saad specifically, I thought they are kind of immune from the criticisms we're leveling today. But uh, the one thing I did want to point out also, you, you said moral victory, and I loved that term because 
yeah, you can get all these chances and you can have the sparkling Corsi numbers and score effects and whatever in that third period. The reality of this game to me was summed up in the the heat chart that they post on natural stat trick. And by the way, if you ever want to learn anything about analytics and kind of get a deeper look at what's going on in a game of hockey, go to natural stat trick. That place has so much information, including the heat map that I'm about to reference where all four Philadelphia goals came within like feet of the net because they kept getting odd man rushes because the Blackhawks seemingly forgot the notion of if you have a defenseman pinching in, Somebody has to come in and cover the backside, and they kept giving up rushes last night. And they even had two goals disallowed, the Flyers did. And it was just a remarkable, consistent breakdown that really, I think, belied some of the effort concerns that Jeremy Colladin echoed in the game, uh, the post-game press conference. Well, and yes, and both those waved-off goals were also odd man rushes, both of them. Ugh. So Yeah, they were. This is turnovers. The passing has been terrible. Every pass is just off, right? Like you see where the attempt is, you see what they're trying to do, but it's just out of reach or it's just between their legs or it's it's yep. a uh, it's a puck that can't be played. This is the adjustment they're going to have to make. Now they don't have that skill anymore. They can't roll nine players deep of first or second line type players. It's just not how the mm-hmm. team's assembled anymore. And you talked about, you know, starting to call out specific guys. Maybe now it's time. Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane were a combined minus four. Taves had one shot on goal and one shot attempt. Kane had three shot attempts the entire game. That's Dylan Strom didn't have a single shot attempt the entire game. I actually was going to get to this because I wanted to I wanted to pose a hypothetical to you, but I'm sorry for interrupting. Please go on. Well, and and here's the thing. So this morning uh, I tweeted the video of Jeremy Cowan's post-game cr- press conference where he calls out the effort of the team. Again, he wasn't being overly mean about it. He was saying, look, I don't think our effort was good tonight. It's been good the last few games. I think most guys would agree that our effort needs to be better, which is totally true. People turn on Cowan. It's unbelievable the the different level of expectation that he has to deal with. And I know part of it's because he replaced Q and I know part of it's because he's not part of the old boys club. It was not a familiar name or face. But Jeremy Cowton should not have to give a Rudy speech to Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrinkett to be better. Those are the guys who should go out there and set the tone every night. I saw a quote from Craig Button from TSN talking about Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and how they're off to a bit of a slow start. He says, you pay for a Maserati, you expect the car to perform like a Maserati. And right now, Kane and Taves and Strom, and to a lesser extent, Debrinkit are performing like Hugo's. It's brutal. They need to be. And if, look, if those guys are not going to be the best players on the team this year, the playoffs are a pipe dream. The guys yeah. we have praised night after night, Saad, Doc, Nylander, Dahan, these are depth guys. These are the guys who have been the best. Not the whoa, guys whoa, you're paying whoa, the big whoa, whoa. money to. Kirby Doc cannot just be a depth guy. I, I want to throw that one out I there. think he's th- the third I, overall pick in the draft I think man. three games into his career you can I would categorize him his his level of play at this point and his usage at this point puts him on that level of course in a month or two months we can change the conversation but his game right okay. now I think puts him in a depth role but fine right you know okay as long as we're not talking the entire season no I no, can no. Get behind that yeah yeah but anyway I, I just it's just very frustrating it, it's not I don't think it's on Jeremy Cotton to get 
Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane motivated to be better players. And, you know, a lot of players, a lot of people said in response, like, oh, well, if he if he's lost a team already, that's on him. We, we heard no, about that's Jonathan kind Ta- of on them. Yeah, Jonathan Taze is compared to Mark Messier in the leadership category. Where is it? Do you think Mark Messier would quit on his coach eight games into a season? Mm. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, Taves has been a guy that I've definitely isolated as having a rough start, and I have no idea what to blame it on. He has been invisible the entire start of this season. Zero even strength points for Jonathan Taves. Has one goal on the power play, I think it is, and then one empty net assist, I believe. Yep. Ten and a half million. do we do we want to like do a service to some listeners who maybe missed what uh, Jeremy Colladin said? I can read the full quote uh, if you would like to. Why don't we actually just play the audio? Uh, you know what? I like that idea even better. I'm, I like when you're in my head, Jay. It's fun. I don't think anyone's um, pleased with that performance, particularly the second period. Uh, I thought we were cheating. Um, defensively and and uh with the puck especially uh, and we had a little adversity and and uh didn't love the way we reacted and so that's disappointing because uh i feel like when we play um with the compete level and the work ethic that we've shown um for the most part lately we can find our way back into games and you know at that point it's one one zero or two zero we're very still very much still in the game, and uh, I just thought we wasted the whole second period. And uh, you know, we we did have a very very strong push in the third period. And uh, if anything, it just proves the point of how bad we were earlier. Because uh, as soon as we turned on the work ethic, and we started playing a simpler game, and and uh, we shortened up the shifts a little bit, and then we were very effective. And and uh, you know, we're close to tying it before we give up the, the third one. Uh, I said to the team, and I think it's it's always going to be true, teams that have success, they work and they manage the puck. And uh, those are two things that we didn't do consistently enough tonight. That audio courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com, and I don't think he said anything unfair there. The effort was not there. The effort needs to be better if this team's going to win. It's very simple. Mm. I see to me, like I understand to a degree people who are saying, like, has Jeremy Colladin earned enough respect from the players to like say these things. But I also will go with what you said. It's not overly harsh. It's not like anything like, you know, this guy specifically is absolutely. No, it's just, look, we, you can only try so many line combinations, but eventually it comes down to the players executing the simple things on the ice, the things where you're winning puck battles along the boards, you're winning the four check, you're winning in the neutral zone, We've pointed that out repeatedly this season with certain guys doing that, but there has not been a team-wide buy-in on that front. Would you agree? Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, again, it's troubling that it's the guys you are counting on who are letting you down. That, to me, is is really problematic. And I've said this before on this podcast, and I think it bears repeating. The core of this team maybe is having trouble realizing – that they're not the Blackhawks teams of old, and that they cannot get wins playing at 80-85% effort anymore. They could do that back in the dynasty days. They were a good enough and deep enough team where they could do that. Now, they're not good enough. 
They're, they can't just coast through games and, and, and you know, oh, we'll turn it on the last 10 minutes and we'll come back and score. No. That's they, not how that works. They have to compete hard every night, every shift, and maybe mm-hmm. they'll get a win. Maybe they'll get a win. You saw it. They competed their asses off against Vegas, and I don't want to lose sight of that. They worked as hard as they could. They got one goal and lost in overtime. And the other thing that happened in that game, Jonathan Taves took six penalty minutes. That was insane. I could not believe that he just kept doing that. That was like reminiscent of game four against the Red Wings back in 2013. Was that the game that yeah. Brent Seabrook had to like give him the go penalty box pep on. talk? Yes. <laughs> Brent Seabrook had to go bash his head back into his body. Like, come on, we need you. And it maybe worked. that needs to happen now. You yeah. know, maybe that needs to happen now. I don't know. Anyway, got to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. They've been with us since day one. If you need something for your team, you got a softball team, a hockey team, whatever, and you need new, you new uniforms or a new logo or hats, sweatshirts, warm-up gear, whatever, give them a call, 708-478-6090, or go to triplethreatsports.com. And send them an email, chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. It's just a really frustrating you know, I felt good about the Vegas game, and I felt good about the Caps game. Yeah, and I mean, that was all kudos to, you know, late goals by the Caps. They, they're they a tough team. Kudos to Marc-Andre Fleury for playing a hell of a game for Vegas. And then to end the homestand like that was, that was deflating, I will say. It was really bad. Um, yeah, I was going to say, there. I do... I know we've kind of like danced around it a little bit because we've kind of had to like hit so many different topics in this game. I got a hot take for you, Jay. Uh-oh. Are you ready for this? I am always ready for a hot take. I'm ready for Eric Gustafson to go away. Oh. Like I don't I don't care if you have to like send him to the minors. I don't care if you have to trade him for scrap pieces. I don't care. I want Eric Gustafson. I'm done with that. Like they they missed an opportunity to potentially sell high on him, and that guy has been an absolute clown shoes disaster the entire season. And if I'm going to have somebody screwing up that badly on the blue line and not contributing anything offensively, I'll take Adam Boquist up here where he's actually learning on the job instead of just proving again and again that he's not an NHL defenseman. Well, and he's interested. He's interested in being here. He's interested in creating that final goal where Gustafson's carrying it through the defensive zone, just loses it. Oh my God! I tweeted that was, Adam Boquist. I had no that. idea what I was seeing. It's None. horrible, and there have been so many times this year where his effort level has been really, really bad. And yes, I know it's hard to judge effort level by watching on TV or being at the game. I understand that, but there's no compete there. You're the guy with the offense. That's yep. what you're dependent on to do, and you are literally a detriment to the team at this point. He's hurting yeah. the team. Yep. I, I mean, and, and again, I get it. I get that it's one point two million dollar salary. It's not that expensive. I get that you're not probably going to get much for him on the trade market, and I get all the other obstacles to potentially making that happen. But oh, you just cannot keep rolling him out on the ice. And again, we go back to the power play last night. They did. Nothing. Eric Gustafson does nothing for you on the power play anymore. And if he can't do that in five on four situations, then what the hell is he doing on the roster? Like there, there is no positive element of his game to me this season. I, I am Gustav Forsling him. I am. He's out. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> he, he is out. Uh, maybe he wants out. 
Maybe he does. And you know what? Let's let's expedite that process. Well, let's, let's make it happen. One thing we failed to mention, too, and we're going to get to it next segment. Apparently, Brendan Perlini is exploring a trade. He was granted permission to explore a trade. Aha, uh, see, dude, you mentioned this. I there was a reason I was holding back on that. It's because it dovetails into something else that I wanted to talk about as well. Well, dude, they tried to trade you all summer and uh, couldn't find a taker. So good luck. I, you know, I don't hate Brendan Perlini by any means, but like, no, I don't know. I just think it's funny. I, I mean, wouldn't you like be frustrated, like watching this team, like completely be unable to score? I am frustrated the, doing the that. guy who could potentially maybe help a little bit with that. Isn't getting any run in the lineup. Well, here's the problem. Who are you going to take out? Cause they're not going to bench Taves or Kane. They're probably Obviously. not going to bench Strom, right? No, no. Now the depth guys, Sod, Kampf, Carpenter. Yep. Doc, yep. Neilander, they've been okay. So you're yeah, not going to punish like, them. Literally, the only guy I can potentially see is making a tough choice in that regard is Neilander. But you just obviously, like you said, he played really well last night. In the last couple games, like it seems like ever since he got scratched and then got played for like five minutes, it seems like that kind of reset Neilander a little bit. And like it, we kind of saw what we saw in game one of the regular season. Like, yeah. don't you think that's kind of what's uh, kind of happened with him? I, I think message received by Alex Nylander. I think he heard like what people it. were saying and was told, like, look, you have a lot of talent, but we're not going to tolerate it if you're not committed in all ends. And uh, he has been. You saw him last night several times bust his ass back to break up a play defensively or to finish a check. He's played really well. And I think he can be a little bit too puck holdy a little bit like he wants to make this sweet play and he's a little hesitant to shoot that's a young player it doesn't bother me when he does it mm -hmm. but it's the other guys like you guys have been playing this game for a long time you should know better by now uh i don't know how you can bench Nylander. and the other thing that was bothering me today was well you know strom is struggling because they moved him from center and it took him away from debrinkit so we're gonna pay five plus Probably ah, closer see, to six yes, million. You have asked the five million dollar question <laughs> for Dylan Strom. If he can only, he's only capable of playing with Alex Nylander, and if he doesn't, he loses all confidence and he pouts. What? Come on! And dude, you and I last year when we did three stars of the game and three stars of the week, Dylan Strom was mentioned in almost all of them. We mm -hmm. loved what Dylan Strom brought to the team. We loved the way he played from the day he was acquired to the end of the season last year. I don't want to see a guy disinterested because he's not skating with his buddy anymore. These are professional athletes. Mm. And this is Jeremy Cowton's fault. Like, well, he hurt his feelings. He's not with Alex Dabrinkin anymore. He doesn't know what to do. Here's what you do. Skate hard. Go steal a puck from somebody. Make a nice pass and score some goals. Yeah. Do he and um, Eric Gustafson have the same agent? Because they're doing this contract year thing all wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. They're, you're absolutely screwing up your contract year. Man, it's like what, just... what on earth are you people thinking? And I know maybe we're overreacting to one game, but I, my fear is that, you know, some of these people that are throwing out the idea that the team has qu quit on Cowden, I don't want to, I don't buy into that. No. But to see that response at the end of the homestand, Knowing those two points are critical to come out with that effort is really concerning. A two, a two, three, and two home stand is not what they needed. That is certainly uh, the case. Well, you know what I need, um, James? I need a drink. You know what? I was actually going to say <laughs> I want to talk about Rabbit because it'll make me feel better. Yeah, I think I'm going to head over to Rabbit uh, tonight after softball because I it's have definitely choice, earned some booze, some awesome craft ales, courtesy of our friends at Rabbit Brewing. 
They're on Brett's Drive in Homewood, right behind the Home Depot off Halstead. You can't miss them. Just take a left on Ridge, then take the next left there. Boom. You're golden. You're at Rabbit Brewing, drinking their mythological-level craft ales. So go visit them. Try the Hemogoblin. Try the Hexed. Try the Manticore. It's all great. You will love every brew at Rabbit. Tell Tobias and Ray. You heard about them from the Madhouse podcast. I want some beer now. I know. I think it's time we take a break and kind of reset ourselves a little bit, kind of get back into a uh, good headspace and then tackle perhaps some big ish or a uh, big picture stuff. Why does that sound to you? bud? Sounds like a great idea to me. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. You started as an RN caring for one patient at a time, but now you're being called to help more patients more often by earning your master's in nursing leadership and healthcare systems degree online from Grand Canyon University. You could become a leader responsible for staff development and patient care outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here, James Naveau out in Bourbon A. Uh, thanks for joining us here. By the way, if you did not see the Sun-Times on Friday, make sure you pick it up. The Madhouse Podcast is featured in the Sun-Times. So check it out. Check it out online. All that good stuff. Anyway, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family-owned and operated since 1933. They've got the outstanding poor boys. You've probably heard, like, there's some place nearby that's got these like, insanely famous poor boys. Yeah, that's Marishka's. You're going to want to go there. You're going to want to try that. And then you're going to want to try everything else on the menu because mm-hmm. everything there is fabulous. Check them out. 604 Theodore Street. Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. James, you have a query for me. I did also want to point out that uh, we constantly have listeners who go to Marishka's and then tweet at us and say that it's a great decision. So yes, just saying we're, we're spitting truth here on the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. It's happening. Yeah. We're not lying to you about our sponsors. They're all new. Not at all. All right. Enough of the frivolity and the happiness. I have something that I need to ask you. Back to the misery. Been on my mind for a couple hours now because I read it on the account of one John Dietz from the Daily Herald. He brought up an interesting question. We kind of all wrote off the Dylan Strome and Brendan Perlini for Nick Schmaltz trade as a win for Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks. But he offered this. Dylan Strome this season has a goal and three assists. Nick Schmaltz has three goals and six assists for the Coyotes and has been playing top six minutes and playing well. And then Brendan Perlini is potentially on the trading block and has been allowed to go seek a trade by the Blackhawks. Do we still put this trade in the win column of the Blackhawks, even if Strom continues to struggle a little bit and if Perlini gets traded away? Yes. I think at this moment we do because we're, what, eight games into the season, and I'm not ready to just say Dylan Strom's a total bust. What we saw last year with the sample size we had told me enough to think that Dylan Strom is a very worthy second-line center, a really good second-line center. And let's let's not forget what Nick Schmaltz was when he was here. Mm. He was a very frustrating player to watch, and it felt like we were always waiting for him to take that next step and become that dominant forward, that guy we were told he was going to be. 
Maybe he becomes that in Arizona. There's definite shot that that could happen. It happened for Dylan Strom here. Remember, Schmaltz missed a lot of last season with an injury. So right. it was sort of like to be reviewed later kind of a thing with that trade. Mm-hmm. But maybe it works out for him. Sometimes trades work for both teams. And I think yeah. that might be the situation here. I think the only reason that I'm really giving it any credence is if Schmaltz does take kind of a big step forward with the Coyotes. Losing Perlini to me is kind of a it, it's rough, but it's not like a deal breaker necessarily. Just interesting to me that he's had difficulty cracking the Blackhawks lineup when they've been occasionally struggling to score goals. I kind of thought that was interesting. But yeah, I think Dylan Strom definitely needs to kind of get back towards what he was last season. And until then, I'm just going to kind of keep chewing on that one because I thought it was an interesting point that we all were very quick to kind of say, man, what a trade by Stan Bowman. And then this season started and it's kind of been like, man, this is a little bit weird. I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, obviously it's worth revisiting. And uh, again, Strom is off to a point per game start, which is wonderful. I'm happy for him. Um, but let's, I'm not ready to, I'm not, look, I, we can't draw any grand conclusions on anything this early. No. I know we're reacting to the thing we saw most recently. But mm-hmm. if James, if James, if you flip this, if they had played Philly, then Vegas, and the Vegas game went like it did, the podcast would have a much different tone. I well, I mean, we would that. have sounded like this after the Philly game, kind of regardless. I no, think. I know, but I'm saying like we're, we're, what we're reacting to is what's most recent in our minds, mm. right? So I think the to freak out, and I acknowledge I'm freaking out. James is freaking out. Everyone I'm at home is thrilled, freaking no. out. I'm not thrilled with what I've seen, but. I think the positives have outweighed the negatives and part of me, my hockey brain is telling me that eventually Kane and Taves are going to figure it out. We've got enough evidence for sure. Yeah. We've got enough evidence throughout the course of their careers that those guys are going to be pretty good players Mm. and a year removed from career years from both of them. They haven't both forgotten how to play hockey. I don't believe that to be true. The, the one honestly, like I'm, I'm out of everybody that we've kind of mentioned today. I think I'm most concerned about Strom's struggles because we do, we have isolated him as a fairly important forward, probably among the top three or four most important forwards on this team. Like I, I I think Taves is going to turn it around. I pretty much know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Kane will turn it around to Brinkett's going to be fine. Strom's the guy that I question. He does have to be, close to what he was last season in order for this team to have any shot at making the playoffs. And he simply hasn't been lately. Like that's, I I think the guys that we've like targeted is kind of like guys that we're complaining about the, you know, the Stroms, the Gustafsons. I think those guys have struggled in basically all eight games this season. It's not like they've had like one bad game. It's just been a really rough start for them. So I think the, I think the fact that we're focusing on those guys leads me to believe this isn't like just some like flash in the pan like we're kind of reacting to one game thing i'm going to give us a little bit more credit than that i'm not because i'm freaking out from one game (laughs) (laughs) well i tried man i tried to like i tried to paint us in a good light no i know no i know it's just it's just hard to not like the the size of that game against philly was so big those two points felt so big after missing Mm -hmm. out only taking one of those last four available from Washington and Vegas. It just felt like a huge two points. And if you walk away from the homestand with eight points instead of six, you're like, all right, not ideal, but we're okay. You know, for the most part, the efforts have been good. They've been a lot of one goal games and we'll get there. We'll get over the hump. 
mm-hmm. but you get your ass kicked on home ice at the end of a homestand, and that changes the tone and it changes the conversation. And I think even though it might not, we might look back on this in a month and laugh, right now it does not feel great by any no, means. No, no. It, it's very important how they react and they play over this weekend when they have two games in two days. Like, that's going to... That to me, like, I think they need to get out on the road a little bit and kind of like still a seven game homestand doesn't feel like you're in the rhythm of a season necessarily, does it? Like that feels like a really, really long time to be sleeping in the same bed. It's almost a little bit unnerving. I I guess I, I I'm, I'm ready for any excuse right now because it'll make me feel better. <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying. OK, we're tr- well, I, I, you you said you didn't want this to be too negative. Like I'm trying to reach for I know. positives here. Well, I appreciate it. You're my you're my happiness sherpa sometimes. So it's <laughs> it's nice of you. <laughs> it's nice of you to try. Um, but it you know part of me was thinking last night like you know maybe getting on a road will be good for them. Nah, they went to Prague. They should be <laughs> they should be pretty roaded out by now. That's roaded out. Yeah. 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 Well, so, their longest road trip this season I think is only like four or five games. So it's not like they have like a circus trip to look forward to. I don't know. I'm I'm just glad they got back-to-back games. They can get the taste out of their mouths from that loss to Philly because it's bad. And yeah, you yeah. saw some of the guys commenting in practice on Friday where Kane and Taves both sort of acknowledged, like, yeah, you know, it wasn't a great effort. Cool. Cool, cool. Great. That's Well, really I mean, good it's not hear. like it gets any easier. They have to go down and play Carolina tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and nothing like a uh, 12 p.m. start. Against a pretty tough defensive team. Like, I, I, I liked what I was seeing from Carolina early in the season. Yeah, well, Tavo, moment Tabo. of silence, man. Do you want me? To, you want me to bring up something that'll get the Tavo off your mind? I was doing a little bit of mathing last night. Did you see? Uh, I mentioned that I was uh, perusing Cap Friendly because I went off on my tangent about Gustafson and bringing Boquist stuff and stuff like that. Did you realize the Blackhawks have potentially six point seven million dollars in bonuses they might have to pay out this season? Uh, which could potentially hamstring them on the cap next year. How is this making me feel better? I'm, I, I didn't say it would. I was saying it would make you stop thinking about Tavo. Oh, well, mission accomplished. What are these bonuses <laughs> and who are the players? Kirby Doc has a potential bonus of up to $2.5 million if the Blackhawks keep him up all season. Dylan Strom, just a shade under that at $2.475 million that he's eligible for. Michael, or sorry, Alex Nylander, and Dominique Kubalik both could potentially make up to eight hundred and fifty thousand in bonuses, and Alex DeBrincat gets a paltry thirty-two thousand dollars in potential bonuses this season. Now these are all achievement based, right? Like they have to reach certain thresholds. I, I believe there's the certain thresholds you have to hit. They're all based on entry level contracts, and so what ends up happening is that if you're far enough under the salary cap you don't have to worry about all of it but then if you go over the salary cap you're allowed to exceed the cap hit or the cap ceiling i think by like seven percent with potential bonuses and then if they do that then that carries over to next season and it's a salary cap penalty they had to deal with that after the 2010 season when kane won the uh or Kane, yeah, because of Kane and Taves. Taves winning the Con Smythe and that stuff like triggered a bunch of bonuses and really hurt the Blackhawks financially. So that's maybe something to keep in mind because if they call up Adam Boquist, that's another potential eight hundred and fifty k in bonuses. Oh boy, and that's a lot of money to be committed to that. Yeah, boy, oh boy, that did not make me feel better. By the way, speaking like I said, of, I was just designing that to make you uh, forget about Tavo. <laughs> well, thank you, mission accomplished. But uh, speaking of Boquist, I talked to. 
uh, one of my good sources in the organization, just sort of shooting this idea of, like, why wouldn't Bogus be up now? Like, we've seen he's got the talent. And developing, according to the source anyway, developing a defender at the NHL level is really, really hard to do. And this is something we heard about last year with Henry Okaharyu. When he was sent down, we really didn't understand why, because when you're a defenseman that's young and probably not ready at the NHL level, again, this is according to a source in the organization who I trust totally and completely, you're more trying to survive than attack. Your mindset is don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, make the safe play, make the safe play, don't screw up, don't screw up, as opposed to trusting your instincts and trying to generate offense. Now, with Adam Boquist, I see a guy who is supremely confident in his Mm -hmm. offensive ability. I know it was a preseason game, but that dangle move he pulled off against Detroit was unbelievable. And we've seen sexy. Yeah, we've seen a lot of incidents of that from him in his brief time with the Hawks in the two preseasons he's played. But I get that. And if he's obsessively learning defense, and that's the last step he needs to make to get here, if they rush him up, you don't want him to take a big step back in his confidence and in his style of play. When he when he gets here, whenever it may be, you want him to be Adam Boquist. If he's not an attacking, you know, I'm going to put it in the back of the net and then rush back and make up for my mistakes, Adam Boquist, there's not really a point to it, right? You need him to be fully realized before you call him up. And I'm not saying wait another year by any means, but to rush him up now I think might be a mistake. Let's let him get his legs under him. Let's let him thrive a little more at Rockford, which he really hasn't done yet, and then consider bringing him up. I don't think there's much of a rush to do it right now. So what I hear you saying is that I want Adam Boquist called up for selfish reasons because I want to see the new shiny toy in the toy box, and that instead we should focus on the Blackhawks potentially giving more ice time to Dennis Gilbert and Philip Holm and guys like that. Um, I'm not saying that you're selfish. I think we all feel that way. We all want Adam Bogus to be here, but I think taking a second to think about the long term with it and thinking about what's best for Adam Boquist might make some sense. And again, I'm not saying months, but if it's a couple weeks, two, three weeks before they rush him up here, that could make some sense. That's all I'm saying. And Philip Holm, by the way. Okay. I'll make you a deal. Okay. Can I stay on my Eric Gustafson hot take and moderate my Adam Boquist hot take to call him up a little bit later in the season, say a month or so down the road? Is that allowable to you? And it's, are you, are it, you amenable to that? It's as much sh- your show as it's my show, so you can do whatever you want. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm asking you is like, kind of, is that a reasonable yes. stand to end up taking that? Absolutely. Here's okay, what then I-, I think I'm, you know what? You have convinced me, Jay Zawaski. I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, here's what I propose. You bench Gustafson and you play Cuckoo and Gilbert. You know what? Do, okay. I have to ask you this because a listener asked me this and I couldn't dismiss it right away. Like I had to actually like think about it. Was Slater Cuckoo their best defenseman last night? Um, I think DeHaan had a nice game, but I cannot. Okay. I definitely yeah, cannot. That's mm, you. You're on the same wavelength as me. But I also was like, yeah, Slater Cuckoo's possession numbers, even after the first two periods, that second period, just the dog crap period, his possession numbers were still good. And I didn't see him making any boneheaded, dumb turnovers. So, yeah, he was in the running last night for sure. I'm going to look up here. Since you asked, I'm going to look up the numbers here for uh, for your guy. I'm very now. I'm very curious. Yeah, 
Don't look at Eric Gustafson. You're gonna, it'll, your brain will explode. I don't want that. I don't have much well, left. It's, it's weird. I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm looking at it and I don't believe it. Well, I'm having trouble opening the website here, so I'm, I'm okay, stalling. Okay, so Slater Cuckoo had a 75% Corsi 4 last night, 18-4, 6 against. He was the best on the team, followed closely by Eric Gustafson, who had a Corsi 4 of 71%, had 22-4, 9 against. Yeah, well, those are definitely impressive, and I guess the argument can, can be made that Slater Cuckoo was the Hawks' best defenseman uh, last night. He was really good. I mean... um, I mentioned uh, DeHaan, top pairing, you know, just thought he played a solid game overall. But, I mean, Cuckoo's been okay this year. And it's funny, when they brought up Gilbert, we all sort of assumed, like, okay, well, Gilbert will be in the lineup and he'll play and blah, blah, blah. Cuckoo's been there all along, and maybe it's time for him to play more. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, especially if if you would like to bench Gustafson in favor of Gilbert and leave Cuckoo in the lineup, I can get behind that decision. Now, I don't. We got to be careful now. If Jeremy Cowton benches somebody, he might be being too harsh, and he might lose the team. <laughs> we don't want to do that for little oh, Eric. Oh no! Are we get? Are we? We're getting dangerously close to like snowflake like territory. No, here, I'm just. Man. I'm fed up with like twist yourself in knots to blame Jeremy Cowton just because, right? Mm. I'm gonna. Well, it's Cowton's fault that Taves is bad because. Taves is uh, what are you talking about? Oh, Dylan Strom can't play because he's not with his blankie anymore. These are professionals. What are we talking about here? Go play well, the professionals game. specifically that make the bulkier salary cap. Yes. Go do your job and shut up. I hate to, mm. you know, I hate to be meatbally about it, but my God, be better. Again, yeah. you pay for a Maserati. You want the car to perform like a Maserati. Not Did you like see the guy. Dylan Strom Corsi numbers, by the way? This still, I'm like trying to figure this out. Well, when you have zero shot attempts whatsoever, I can't imagine it's very good. Yeah, well, you would have thought he would have had more against him. He only had a Corsi against of three last night. Well, good that's line so mates, weird, I suppose. Man, I don't even know. Yeah, that's why we talk about Corsi and Fenwick as a valuable tool, but not the BLM. But not the ultimate story, because I will still say Eric Gustafson had a crap game last night. I agree. All right, let's tell you about our newest sponsor, the Barrel Club in Oakland. Go to BarrelClubIllinois.com and join their Spirit of the Month Club. Absolutely a dynamite deal. Uh, home Made in house spirits, terrific from the Barrel Club. Everything there is good. As far as the drinks go, the food is just as good. Steaks, burgers. I'll say this. I've taken some heat from it from Rick Camp from the I'm Fat Podcast. Yes, I'm going to say it. The salads are good. There, I said it. They'll carve a chicken for you, table side. This is a higher-end place, but it's also casual. You want to get all dressed up. You want to wear a tuxedo by any means. But if you're looking for a nice night out with your wife or your family, you want to celebrate a special occasion, go check out the Barrel Club in Oaklawn, 4910 West 111th Street, com. Go do it. James, are you ready for the email of the show? I say we are ready for the email. Dang it. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. They just had their Blackhawks outing 
Last Sunday against the Capitals, I heard it was amazing. Some people went and told me how great it was. So if you're a Madhouse listener and you went to the Chucks Blackhawks outing, thank you. Hopefully you told them you heard about it from us. Uh, but go to Chucks, man. The Cajun food, the Mexican, the barbecue. You want wings, you want burgers. There's something for everybody at Chucks. And I have I have failed the listeners too many times. I will not make this mistake again. You got to get the cobblers at Chucks. You have to try the cobblers comes in a cast iron pan it's like a mixed berry or apple filled pie with a hard crust it's served piping hot topped with vanilla ice cream one of the best desserts you'll ever have so go stuff yourself with barbecue or cajun or mexican at chucks but save room for that cobbler you will not regret it chucks is amazing all right email of the show comes from joshua halsell Joshua, I hope I said that right, H-A-L-S-E-L-L. He says, guys, after watching the Hawks lose again, this time to the Flyers, 4-1, to one, I have come to this conclusion. It's already time to panic. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's only October, but clearly our defense continues to be a disaster. Coupled with the top two lines not producing, we have no hope this year. Well, Josh, thanks for keeping the podcast uplifting and positive, as it's been for the last 40 minutes. Um yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying. And James, let, let's do a little positive here. All right, let's let's turn this a little bit before we wrap up. I don't think the D overall has been nearly as bad as has been advertised or has a lot of people have been wringing their hands over. Yes, mm. they've made some bad turnovers and really bad times, but I think for the most part, the defensive play has been okay. The defense as a whole, I think, has been better than we probably saw last season. And I would agree on the turnover front, especially. I feel like that was sort of a uniquely last night issue in terms of just everybody. And I, like you, you've mentioned this, like Tahan has looked fine in his games that he's played. I've been OK with the way Oli Mata has been playing as yeah. well. Brent Seabrook's had moments where he's kind of done some questionable things. But overall, I think he's probably been about as good as you can like expect him to be yeah so yeah i'm gonna go with that i think that's it the other positive i do want to mention is robin leonard because i feel like he he's the first goaltender that got two starts in a row and i think there's a reason for that he's playing with a good amount of confidence even when he's getting hung out to dry he's always been he's been very upfront and honest about the way the blackhawks have been playing he's willing to say they stink when they stink he's been willing to say they're good when they're good I like what he's been bringing to the table so far this season. And I think as far as I'm concerned, I still think that's probably one of the shrewdest moves Stan Bowman could have made in the offseason was getting a guy like that as an insurance policy for Corey Crawford and then potentially a guy you bring back going into next season too. I'm very glad you mentioned that because this whole podcast went by without us mentioning Robin Leonard. I think he's played very well. Last night, I don't blame him for any of the goals against him. None. They, he was. I thought he was really good again. The fact that he has immediately taken a leadership role on this team, I love. I love it that he's the guy there after every game, answering questions, being honest, saying what needs to be said, good or bad. I really like what Robin Leonard has brought to this team on and off the ice so far. Yeah, I totally agree. The leadership thing I think is very important. I know they already have a couple of vocal leaders in the the dressing room, but I think that adding Robin Leonard to that mix I think can be – only positive at least from that perspective all right that's going to do it for this edition of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast thank you all so much for joining us hopefully when we talk to you again on monday 
Sunday? We can do Sunday night or Monday morning. I forgot what we left off on. Sunday I, night? Honestly, I feel like we can do either or. We're, it's our show. We do what we want. You're right. So stay tuned. We'll be there for you. If you subscribe and you turn those notifications on, you'll know when our next podcast is. But it's coming soon. I know we have not been uh, hitting you as often as we'd like. I was sick this week. Uh, missed a day of work. It's been brutal at my house. Everybody here is sick. So we will get back on a more regular schedule. I promise. I know some people are like, wait, Jay started this locked on thing. And now the madhouse is happening less often. Don't worry about it. I promise you it's because I've been sick. No other reason. So do you promise, Dad? I do promise. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but thank you all for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and the Barrel Club in Oaklawn. Go to barrelclubillinois.com to join their Spirit of the Month Club. They're located 4910 West 111th Street, again in Oaklawn. So go visit our sponsors. They are great for us. We very much appreciate them. And we very much appreciate you, the listeners of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hope you have a great weekend, and hopefully the Hawks can pick up some points against Carolina in LA. We'll talk to you soon. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You started as an RN, caring for one patient at a time. But now you're being called to help more patients more often by earning your Master's in Nursing Leadership and Healthcare Systems degree online from Grand Canyon University. You could become a leader responsible for staff development and patient care outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.